This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. Welcome to Resource Center. This is Audrey Raj. On the show today, we're taking a look at human capital trends for 2023. And we're doing this with the guys who have always come through for us when it comes to insights on talent, the workplace and the future of work, our friends from Deloitte Consulting Southeast Asia. Now joining me on the show today are Lee Yun Han and Clarissa Turner, who are Deloitte's human capital consulting leaders in Malaysia. And they're going to be walking us through some of the key findings from Deloitte's latest global human capital trends survey, which let me just tease here talks about some of the things you may personally be experiencing at work already. Uh, you know, this feeling of being overwhelmed with change, uh, shifting boundaries, and having to relearn how to work with technology and one another. Uh, Yun Han, welcome back. And Clarissa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Audrey. Very glad to be here. Yeah, great to be with you today, Audrey. Thanks for having us. Now, before we get started, uh, Yun Han, um, you've been on the show with me a couple of times. Maybe I'll let you just set the context for what we're going to discuss on the show today. I understand that we're relearning what the concept of work is this year. So I, I think the context of the findings of this report is particularly fascinating uh, this year, right? And it's very relevant coming out of COVID and the pandemic for us as business leaders, as professionals, as the workers and employees to think quite differently about how we want to, to show up at work and how we want to design work as well. Because for the past, I don't know, you know decades or centuries or so, we've been governed by a very you know, mechanistic view of work. Uh, we kind of assume that jobs are jobs, you know, works, work can be industrialized, repeatable, right? That's sort of scientifically managed in that sense, right? And grouped into uh, quite well-defined structures, right? Uh, and whatever that we do, uh, when it comes to transformation, we're focused on things like you know, productivity, cost, efficiencies, right, and how to deliver you know the things faster, better, cheaper, right. Uh, but I think the pandemic fundamentally changed a lot of this, uh, and how we show up, and how we do work, and how we lead uh, in a different environment. Fundamentally, comes to this term of what we call a boundaryless environment, right. Uh, what we used to assume as the natural uh, order of things are now steadily falling away with regards to how. Uh, employees are expecting uh, things differently and how work is done differently and the technologies that are coming quite differently. And in this particular report, which you know we can share in a bit more detail on, on this uh, podcast as well, is that we interviewed uh, quite a number of respondents, about more than 10,000 across the globe uh, on human capital trends, right? And this is Deloitte study that we do uh, every year for the past, you know, more than decade already. Uh, and we're quite happy to share with uh, the listeners uh, what are some of the key findings out of this report. So as, as um, Yunhan mentioned, this is a report we've been doing for now. I think this is our 13th year across the world in um, Deloitte and making it actually one of the longest longitudinal studies of its kind. So it actually gives us a chance to see oh, across the 13 years how are actually trends in the workforce training changing. And as you say, they, they tend to be quite spot on. I think the reason that's the case is we do have a very large sample size for this type of survey. So we do have an interview over 10,000 people as part of this. And we supplement that also with various case studies and interviews that we do to be able to really get to the meat of the issues that we find in each of these um, trends that are coming through. Um, so what we've seen, as, as Yunhan touched on, is that the traditional boundaries of work no longer exist. So before we had to be at work from nine to five, we had to um, show up at an office, we 
um, had a boss above us and a junior report below us. We knew we'd do that roughly from somewhere between 30 to 40 years, and that would be our job. Um, what we know now is those traditional boundaries just no longer exist. Um, and I'm sure you feel this on a day-to-day basis, and I'm sure many of our listeners do. There's all this constant negotiation about where do I work, when do I work, how do I work, etc. And so what that means is for organisations to get ahead in this space is they really have to fundamentally rethink the approach that they take to work and their relationship with their employees. And so the three real key themes that have come out of this year's um, trends are the first. The first one is that companies and employees need to start thinking like a researcher. And what that really comes down to is the fact that given this pace of change, given the disruption we're seeing, there's no, no longer one right answer that we can rely on and hang our hat on. So what we need to be doing is constantly experimenting with new ideas, rapidly finding out what works and what doesn't, pivoting and changing direction. And that applies to both organisations as well as employees as they're trying to navigate this new world. The second trend that we've seen, or the second fundamental, as we're calling it in this report, um, is how organisations and employees need to work together. They actually need to co-create a relationship rather than, I guess, what we've always seen traditionally, which is organisations say when you'll show up, say what your pay will be, say how you'll how you'll work and how you'll interact, etc. What we're seeing now is it's a totally different world. It's much more of a two-way conversation, creating a win-win for both employees and organisations. For organisations, that can be a little scary. Mm. For employees, that's really exciting. And now we're going through this navigation of how do we make that, how do we make that work for both sides? And then the final element that's come out of this trends report, which is the final fundamental, is that we need to shift to prioritising human outcomes. So obviously there's been a shift for a few years around moving away from purely profit for profit's sake. Um, but what we've really seen in the trends that have come out this year is that actually now that's not even, it's a non-negotiable, thinking about things beyond profit to thinking about all stakeholders, community, planet, et cetera, is critical and non-negotiable now. Mm. Now, Yunhan, is, are the fundamentals um, the same for the Malaysian workforce? Can we zero in on the local market and um, some of the, the the data that you've received from the Malaysian sample? Yeah, looking at the Malaysian side of things, I believe the trends are very relevant on what this country is facing here, right? Um, well, when it comes to our growth in this market for GDP, it's anticipated to be about you know, probably 4 to 5% in 2023, according to the Malaysian Institute of Accountants, which is around you know, the, the estimates for 2022. Uh, and this also comes uh, amid the backdrop of a slowing uh, global economy, right? And we've seen the headlines in the newspapers over the past few days around the labor market the shortages in certain skill sets. Uh, people, or at least from the business standpoint, are complaining about uh, the shortage of labor you know, in, in certain sectors, and there's not enough uh, workers in some of the key sectors that we see, right? Um, and amidst the slowdown that, that uh, when we also are faced with record high uh, inflation at this point in time, right, uh, and even uh, news coming out from the central bank in Malaysia, we do recognize that um, the Malaysian labor force is in need of reform as well, right? Uh, because of when it comes to high inflation and wages, right, uh, we do recognize that uh, even th- there's room for wages to grow, right? So on, on the one way of interpreting that is that uh, we might not be you know, looking at the, the jobs in Malaysia and the value that it commensurates with, right? So there are some adjustments uh, to be anticipated, right? That businesses 
uh, and the workers also need to anticipate with regards to jobs, wages, and then so and so forth, right? And on top of that, uh, the Malaysian labor market, I believe it's, uh, you know, the, the, we foresee it to grow uh, in areas, right? Despite uh, some of the uh, slowdowns that we see, uh, as it could make our markets, uh, if we focus on comp competitiveness, right? Uh, looking at some of the, um, the tensions around the world, uh, many of the uh, global organizations are looking towards shifting uh, their workforce and headcount, right? Uh, towards this region in Southeast Asia and Malaysia is one a good candidate as well. If we are able to attract uh, more skilled talent, right, and emphasis on skilled talent to Malaysia, that would really help us uh, with um, uh, reforming our labor market and how uh, the dynamics of our workforce will be, right? Um, now, despite uh, some of the businesses may have not have uh, you know, succeeded during the pandemic, it has created a lot more uh, new entrants into the market and therefore new types of jobs as well, right, as I said. Uh, and this, in effect, creates new skills and uh, new demands uh, for more people to, to come to work. Right? Um, so these are some of the factors that I see in the Malaysian market that if our local organizations can change uh, things like hiring strategies, how they structure work, how, how they look at jobs, how they look at skills, I believe that from Malaysia, we are able to take on a much more competitive edge uh, in this uh, part of the world in attracting uh, skilled talent and also improving our own uh, local labor force as well. Mm. Now, Clarissa, are there any other trends that you feel are uh, affecting the Malaysian workforce landscape uh, at the moment? Um, no, look, I, th I actually think you and Hans really hit the nail on the head here with this focus on talent shortages and skills. And I think, let me just add a little bit more colour to that, because I think that that's definitely one of the clearest trends that we're seeing, not just in Malaysia, but across the region and for that matter, the world. So um, if you if you realize that, I mean, if you ask any leader today what's worrying them, most of them will jump out and say talent shortages. And by talent shortages, they really specifically mean specific skill sets that are missing in their organization that, that are now becoming critical. Um, in fact, 70% of business leaders today in our um, study said that the fact that we have talent shortages is really pushing them to think about creative ways to think about how they close those talent shortages. And that really involves a refocus on skills. So maybe let me just share a little bit more about what we mean by that. So if you think about um, traditionally, most of the work we did was governed by a job and a job description, typically within a function. So you might be a HR practitioner or a finance, or maybe you're in the business front, but it's quite specific. It's quite restricted to a set of skills that are done in that job and your path and progression is typically up within that function. What we're seeing now is that there's more and more problems that we need to solve that are cross-functional. We need to be working with the legal department, the finance department, with our business people, with our customer service people. And therefore, what that requires is that we have skills that can flex across all these different functions and can work effectively together. Um, so what we're seeing is this traditional construct of a job almost melt away to some extent. And we're needing to be able to get more creative about the way we move across those traditional boundaries. What that means for organisations is, though, now I can stop saying, oh, for you to do this job, I need you to have a HR degree, have a finance degree, et cetera. I can actually say, I need you to have had some experience dealing with financial modelling. I need you to have at some point in your career had to do recruitment. Um, but I don't need to have all of the skills that I would classically say is needed for a HR professional or a finance professional in that one person. I can actually see that you have the critical skills that are required for this 
particular activity or set of jobs that need to be done um, and I can support you to go and develop in the other areas. So really getting more flexible about the way we look at job descriptions and job experience. What that actually shows up for in organisations and how they're, they're actually that's coming to life is that they're now hiring differently. So we're starting to see less emphasis on do you have this qualification, et cetera. It's more a question on what are the experiences that you've had and exploring that from a skills angle. Um, we're seeing a lot more organisations adopt paying for skills. So um, rather than it being you've got this many years' experience in this job and therefore that's how we work out what your salary should be, we're now saying, hey, you have a hot skill that is worth this to us as an organisation and can give us this value. We're going to remunerate you for that skill. Um, we're also seeing organisations start to think about um, how do they when they you know send people for skills training, how are they using that to then think about their career development and their remuneration rather than purely just now you have the skills you need to do the job I want you to do. So there's a number of different ways in which it's infiltrating into our organisations. But one thing is clear is that um, organisations that are adopting a more holistic skills-based approach are 107% more likely to hire talent effectively. 98% more likely to retain top performers um, and build a reputation is a really great place to grow and develop. Um, so that's why I think we're seeing that shift. It's to address talent shortages, but it's also to make sure that we're making it a really good place to work and develop. All right. Uh, we are going to take a quick break for some messages. When we come back, I really want to double down on uh, that point about prioritizing human outcomes that we've uh, kind of heard uh, Clarissa and Yunhan mentioned at the beginning of the show. Uh, all that and more happening on Resource Center with our friends from Deloitte Consulting Southeast Asia. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You are listening to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Online with me today, I have Lee Yunhan and Clarissa Turner, uh, who are Deloitte's human capital consulting leaders in Malaysia. And they are kind of just walking me through some of the key findings from Deloitte's latest Global Human Capital Trends Survey. Now, uh, before the break, Clarissa, you were talking to us about um, this, this whole issue about talent shortages and how employers and organisations are really struggling with it. And um, in, I, I think you mentioned uh, something about charting a different path, you know, co-creating co um, this relationship between employers and employees uh, and how that relationship is, is actually like changing, you know, just to, to pursue um, a new purpose, uh, just reimagining the whole relationship between the employer and the employee in order to help work progress. Uh, can we just uh, double click on that? And because it, it sounds very interesting, I can see this already happening. It's no longer a top down approach, but uh, can you talk to us about the different iterations of this happening uh, around the world? Yeah, I, I can just drill down a bit further on that point. Because, uh, you know, coming from observing the different generations of workforces, right? Uh, it's come to a point whereby uh, employees uh, today they, they have far more choices and influences uh, when it comes to employment than, than ever before. We, and we observe this uh, not just in Malaysia, but across the world as well. You know, in the past, it used to be the case whereby employees would say, okay, now here's the job, here's the career path, here's the profession. 
uh, here's the pay, take it or leave it, right? Um, and from a societal standpoint, it was also uh, quite, the, in a way, taboo, right? Uh, to you know, jump from job to job uh, as well. Whereas for today, a lot has shifted whereby it's no longer a workplace taboo to discuss wages, for example, transparently, right? Employees are expecting uh, much more transparency in how much they're being paid for the value of the work that they're doing. Uh, and they are also focusing a lot more on the skills that they develop, right? Uh, so this concept around, oh, you need to stay in a job for five to 10 years before it's okay to move on no longer holds true, right? And as Clarissa mentioned earlier, the notion of a job is changing also so rapidly, right? That uh, you can't, the, the very fact that you're in a single job for 10 years and not growing may also signal a sign that you're not uh, reskilling or upskilling yourself, right? Um, and from an employee standpoint, uh, purpose as to why they are trading off eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours of their day for something in order to earn a keep, uh, that purpose is uh, becoming more and more uh, important to them. Right? And when it comes to uh, the leaders and business owners, right, business leaders, uh, it is an opportunity for them to use this, uh, the changes and the passion that employees are exuding to work to then co-create uh, how work should be done in the organization for mutual benefit. Right? Um, and this is where we see uh, when organizations can cater to this quite successfully, uh, people then you know, demand for, for, for this uh, more and more, right? Um, uh, we've seen that uh, the trend around flexibility is not the one that is only embraced by a certain part of the workforce. After COVID, and now that the Malaysian government has uh, uh, legislated this into law as well, people are really uh, adopting flexibility you know, to heart, as we've also seen before, right? So whether it's in lives and work, uh, and in the context of return to work or hybrid working, the employees fundamentally appreciate the human uh, aspect of, of work, right? Uh, and we've already seen how uh, the, the trends that are driving why employees are moving towards this, you know, between traditional and the more uh, progressive types of work. Uh, Clarissa mentioned around shortage of talent. Um, I mentioned about uh, the increased need for adaptability, agility, uh, we talked about uh, different generations, and I've been on this uh, conversation with you before, Audrey, around the different generations between Gen Z, Gen X, the millennials, and, and so on and so forth. Um, technology also is making all this possible, right? Uh, and I think technology drives a lot of the, uh, the transparency, the um, empowerment of the workforce, the agency of the workforce, and, and all these things are creating the need uh, to join forces rather than to command and control, right? Uh, so it uh, will be of mutual benefit uh, for the business owners, leaders of organizations and employees to really come together uh, to influence and shape uh, how work is designed and how work is done. And this would then yield to better, uh, better cultures in the organization, better engagement and better productivity at the end of the day. Right? So I believe that uh, this is uh, quite critical uh, for us to get right in this context. Mm. Now, I know um, what I found interesting, and I mentioned this is before the break, uh, is just glancing through your report. Uh, I liked how this time it kind of focuses on organizations and employees working together to create impact. And then there's also this prioritizing human outcomes and approaching work through the lens of work is for humans and it's created by humans, you know, and, and I find this really refreshing. But can I ask if there are any insights into why this is happening, why do we find this is how we're looking at work today? Yeah, sure. I can jump in on that one. Yeah. So I, I think um, I, the the trend that you're referring to was around um, maximizing human outcomes, I think. And 
And I, what we really see when we look at that particular trend is it's it's kind of an evolution of the earlier conversations we've been having about sustainability. And I think when you look into those earlier conversations and where a lot of companies are today, um, most of the changes you see within the organisation are largely around regulations and compliance, things they have to do to be able to report on stock exchanges and to shareholders, et cetera. Um, what we're seeing in a shift, and I think it's really amplified through COVID, but very much now is front and centre, is that now it's got to go beyond that. Companies have to be thinking about sustainability beyond regulation and compliance and really embracing it in all that they do as an organisation. And the employees are expecting that, but customers are expecting that, communities in where they operate are expecting that, that that shift has happened now, um, that you can no longer be just thinking about purely profit, which is a great place to be. It's quite exciting. Um, it, and beyond the other the other shift we're seeing is that it's, it's now moving beyond purely, it's been quite focused on the environment for a long time, and that's still obviously in critical importance. Now they're actually saying, it's actually beyond that. It's all the elements of the ESG. Um, so we're also thinking about the people that we work with and the communities that we operate with as well and how do we create really good impact. So in our trend survey, we saw that more than 80% of companies reported that purpose, diversity, equity and inclusion, sustainability um, are all going to be fundamentals of the company's ability to thrive as they move forward into the future of work. Um, and 64% of employees said that they are attra more attracted to and remain at a company that creates values for both shareholders and employees as human beings um, and as well as the greater, greater society. And we're actually really seeing it, particularly with the younger generation, that they actually will turn down jobs if they don't align to their values and principles, which is, you know, for, for my generation, a little bit of a crazy concept, but now it's like, oh, oh no, really, this is serious. So. If you're trying to attract young talent, this is just a non-negotiable anyway. Um, but what goes beyond this, which I think is really interesting, is that employees don't want to just work for companies that have these values. They want to be intimately involved in the way that it's happening in the organisation. So they want to be involved in the brand and the strategy and the culture, making sure that it's really living up to these expectations of good outcomes for all. Um, so the idea that you can set up ESG or sustainability as a separate function doesn't really work. It's a bit like how digital transformation has come before mm. this. Mm. The sustainability wave that's coming through now has to be embedded into every aspect of the organisation. And what that means is we're going to need to reskill. We're going to need to prepare our workforce. Um, our workforce is going to need a new range of capabilities to be able to really live and breathe sustainability throughout all that they do, um, things such as you know, thinking about hard skills, like how do we do uh, carbon neutral planning, et cetera, but then also the soft skills. How do we work with empathy? How do we think um, more conceptually? How do we do problem solving in a way that is incorporating all the principles of sustainability? So there's a lot of skill reskilling that needs to happen as an organisation, um, but for those that really take the lead on this and start to think about equipping their workforce to be green, one, they'll be a far more attractive employer, but two, they're also going to be really um, more attractive to customers, more attractive to the stakeholders that they have to operate within as well, um, really building that sense of purpose and belonging. Right. 
Now, um, it's almost time for us to wrap up. But just before we go, um, we now understand what the key fundamentals are. We know what the trends are. So what do leaders, uh, what do organizations need to do to prepare for this for the rest of the year and what's to come, you know, in 2024? Where do we begin and what do we need to do? And Clarissa, you want me to go first on this one? Go for it, go for it. <laughs> I think that leaders, uh, and I'm coming from uh, probably a more Malaysian construct as well for this, right? Uh, I believe that uh, when it comes to, to tackling these trends, leaders need to recognize that what got us here won't get us there, right? Uh, and I think trying to uh, use you know, the time and tested approaches to, to management, to leading teams is not going to work in this context, right? Uh, uh, you're, you're going to be faced with so many uh, disruptions to the workforce uh, may not be this year or next year, but in the time to come uh, that, uh, you know, based on the trends that uh, myself and Clarissa have mentioned. And, and because when leadership is no longer, you know, contingent on your position, right, as C-suite or C-level, or hierarchy or how many you know, direct reports it, it it goes back to the fundamentals of of what defines a leader right uh, your followers your ability to influence your uh, ability to mobilize people the workers and your peers to a common cause right um, and that's an important facet uh, of moving forward ahead right uh, the concept of co-creation looking at the trends of where workers are demanding for more uh, and also one of the points that was touched on the report is around uh, working through an ecosystem, right? Uh, so it's no longer uh, the kind of construct that you can just command what's in your direct report and therefore you're a leader. You are a leader if you're able to influence people, collective human beings towards a shared outcome at the end of the day, right? Uh, and this is something that I believe from a Malaysian market standpoint and Malaysian corporate leadership standpoint, it's something that is important to focus on in order to drive moving towards the next level of competitiveness for, for Malaysian organizations, right? We are uh, good as it comes to our productivity, but I think there's a lot of room to become great, right, across the region when it comes to our ability to compete. And that's where uh, a new generation and a new type of leader is important to lead uh, in what we call the boundaryless world, right? Um, Clarissa, would you like to, to add on more to that? Yeah, look, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head, and and Yunhan and I debate this quite a bit um, on a daily basis at work. Um, I I think that I think that for me, the only things I'd add is that is is a sense of humility. So the for leaders to be truly successful today, they've also got to recognise that their 20, 30, 40 years of experience may no longer be as relevant moving forward. And how do they therefore think about rethinking some of the assumptions that they've made and they've brought into their leadership role? Um, because the people that are going to really get ahead here are the leaders that are going to continually learn and the leaders that can inspire that, that philosophy of being continuously learning within their teams, within their ecosystem and bring people together to try new things that haven't been tried before and think about how do we take a a new tool like ChatGPT and think about how we incorporate that into our work. Um, and sometimes we're going to get it wrong and sometimes we'll get it right. But that's that shift in thinking and being having the humility to be able to do that is critical. Um, and the final point I'd just say is um, I think this has been a shift that's been coming, but just the more authentic you can be at work, the more human to human you can be, honest and, and sharing who you are as an individual um, is going to go a long way with being able to really be successful as a leader. In this next transition. 
Right. Once again, guys, uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I've just been nodding my head throughout this conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, share these insights uh, with us. Now, for, for more information on the Global Human Capital Trends Survey, is there somewhere we can go access uh, a summary of the report and learn more? Yes, most definitely. There is a one-page summary of the report that's available for easy consumption and uh, 100-page report as well for a detailed in-depth look at each of these trends that we mentioned. And I do recommend that whether you are a uh, CEO, human capital practitioner, a member of the workforce, right? a lot of the things in there uh, are quite relevant to how to think about uh, navigating these turbulent times uh, and how a lot of things kind of don't make sense anymore and some of the basic assumptions that we used to have. Uh, so these uh, points would then help uh, reshape the thinking, I believe, uh, to be more beneficial uh, for all of us to make sense of the world that we live in today. Right? So definitely it's available uh, on the Deloitte website. Just Google it. Uh, it's uh, easily available on our portal as well. Yeah. And if you missed out on any part of this show, you can go look for the podcast on our website. That's bfm.my. You can also find all our podcasts on the brand new BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play. I've been speaking with Lee Yun Han and Clarissa Turner, Deloitte's human capital consulting leaders in Malaysia, part of the Deloitte Consulting Southeast Asia Group. My name is Audrey Raj and catch you again next week on Resource Centre BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.